Christ is risen. Risen indeed. Amen. Amen. My message today is entitled, Can You Hear Him Now? From death into life. From despair into hope. From devastation to celebration. The most astounding day in the history of our world is what we celebrate today on Resurrection Sunday. With that same joy that surely must have been in the hearts and minds and mouths of those who first realized the good news, I read to you a very powerful and prophetic psalm this morning. Psalm 30, verse 11. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. To the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Amen? Jesus is alive today. And so as we read these events, we read from that perspective. We know going in. We knew going into Good Friday that of what would happen. So we have a different perspective. But for the disciples and the people in Israel who had witnessed the events of the crucifixion, the trial, all those things, as they witnessed that, they woke up Sunday with a very different attitude. They woke up in great despair. They did not wake up with joy as Christians do today. They had a very different reality. So today I want to explore their perspectives in the hopes that maybe it may unlock for us something more that maybe we still have not yet received from Christ. John 20, verse 1. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. See, Mary had made this early morning trek to the tomb to either properly anoint the body before it began to decay, or to simply mourn at the burial site. But either way, she went to the tomb in great sorrow. Verse 2. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Seeing the stone rolled away from the entrance, Mary immediately jumped to the conclusion that someone had stolen the dead body of Jesus. What outrage. But what made her jump over the fact of, of Jesus being alive? What made her jump over and jump to the conclusion that someone had stolen his body? Was there no other possibility that entered her mind? As one who knew the countless miracles that Jesus had already performed that made no scientific sense, including the resurrection of Lazarus, and knowing full well that she herself, Mary herself, was personally delivered from demonic possession by a miracle of Jesus? How could Mary not even have considered a different outcome? Why did she jump to the conclusion that someone must have stolen the body? How about you? When you're hit with bad news or a bad report, when you reach your lowest of lows, do you immediately assume the worst? Do your first reactions and subsequent reactions leave Jesus out of the answer? Are you quick to doubt? 
to complain, to accuse, and to blame. Like Mary, do you jump over the promises that God has made in order to base your conclusions on what you see with your eyes or with your fear-activated mind? Are there circumstances that any of you are facing right now in your personal lives that are tempting you to believe the worst and causing your speech declaration, what you declare, to be full of worry and anxiety and doubt and stress? If so, then this message today is for you, for all of you. Jesus had told his disciples exactly what would happen before they even entered Jerusalem. But they simply did not hear him. How about you? If the voices of worry and doubt and confusion have dominated your ear space, can you hear him now? John 20, verses 3 and 4. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. Their reaction was more curiosity as they ran to the tomb for themselves, racing each other to get there first. Verse 5, And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there. Yet he did not go in. Why didn't he go in? Well, it was against the law of God for the Jews to enter a tomb. It would, be, it, would be, it would make them unholy. But as sometimes we're held back by what we think society wants us to do or by certain rules we have to follow, but when you are pressing for Jesus, Jesus will, will draw you in to push near to come into his presence, to not worry about what other people think. So many times we're worried about what other people think. When I want to praise God, is it okay if I raise my hands? But what if everyone looks at me? What if I sing off key? But when you want to experience Jesus for yourself, none of that matters. And as he draws us in, we press into his presence. What was going on in their minds as they started to put these pieces and clues together? What's going on? With their curiosity peaked, they still had to see for themselves. Could this really be happening? It begged them to draw near. John 20, verse 6. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there. What happens in someone's heart and mind when God begins to reveal clues and begins to give them personal and greater revelation about himself? You notice there still was some measured hesitation as they inspected these signs, mixing with their thoughts and their perspectives, faith and reality were now growing closer together. Verse 7, And the handkerchief that had been around his head, not, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Surely, Jesus was not only not here, but he was no longer bound by human constraints of linen cloth and a sealed tomb. He was no longer bound by human reason and scientific explanations and logical conclusions. Could it be true? Would the two men allow themselves to hope again? Will you allow yourself to hope again 
Will you draw closer to Jesus and His Word of truth? Can you hear Him now speaking to you? John 20, verse 8. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also and he saw and believed. You see, what happened is he allowed himself to be vulnerable. Many people, once they've been hurt, do not want to become vulnerable again. And they, they say, I will not become vulnerable again. I will not allow myself to have hope again. But he needed Jesus more. He put himself in a place to be vulnerable. He pushed through his doubts. He pushed through all the religiosity, the things he shouldn't do. He saw and believed for the first time that Jesus was alive. But why did it take so long? John 20, verse 9, says, For as yet they did not know the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. How could it be that during these past three days, think about this for a moment, not a single one of his disciples, or anyone for that matter in Israel, believed that he would rise from the dead. How could that be? They knew the scriptures, or so they thought. They heard his teachings, or so they thought. Their hopes for their Messiah faithfully rested on the prophecies of old, or so they thought. The truth is that God's plan even from the Garden of Eden, was to purposely lead to this culminating event of the resurrection of Jesus. It's not just in the Gospels where he talks about the resurrection. His plan was given and spoken in so many ways at so many times, but we all as a human race could not hear him. When Adam and Eve first sinned, God put his resurrection plan into place. Speaking to the devil, God said this, Genesis 3.15, in the Amplified Version. And I will put enmity, open hostility, between you and the woman, and between your seed, offspring, and her seed. That seed capitalized means it's Jesus. He shall fatally bruise your head, and you shall only bruise his heel. You see, Satan would go for the heel of Jesus seemingly to trip him up momentarily. But Christ would go for the head of Satan, fatally wounding him by defeating sin and death and hell and the grave. Here is the resurrection from the very beginning of Scripture. But it would not stop there. The resurrection narrative continued to be told by God throughout his entire word. If only there was anyone who could hear him. Later in the book of Genesis, when God called Abraham to a task of great faith, the resurrection narrative added a few more precise details. Genesis 22, verse 2. God said to Abraham, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. As a prophetic type of God the Father and his only son, Jesus, Abraham is commanded to take his only son, Isaac, whom he so loved. And he was to offer him as a sacrifice in the land that would later be called Jerusalem. In fact, this very same sacrificial spot, was on a place called Mount Moriah. 
That's where the temple would one day stand. And the narrative continues. Verse 4, Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. The third day. It foreshadows the third day for Jesus. That's why we have hope today, because He has risen on the third day. And it is if this is not enough, look at the next verse. Verse 5, Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. Do you understand that God told Abraham to go sacrifice his son, and yet he had enough faith to say, we're going to go to worship, and we are going to come back. Most people miss the simple but powerful truth. As Abraham set off to follow God's command to offer his son as a sacrifice, he stated that we would come back together. Abraham left believing that God was going to have to resurrect his son unless he intervened in another way. Can you hear him now? The prophets would continue to describe the entire Passion Week from the triumphal entry to the betrayal of a friend to the stripes upon his back, the pulling of his beard, the spitting in his face, the spear in his side, and his brutal death. It's all in the Old Testament. The prophets all foretold of these things. But they would also mention the hope of a resurrection. David adds to this building prophecy by tying us into the resurrection as well. Look at this in Psalm 16, verse 10. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, the place of the dead, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. See, by divine revelation, David declares that God will not allow his Holy One, speaking of Jesus the Messiah, to see corruption. This is a clear indication that the Messiah will experience death. But his body will not enter into decay or enter into corruption as one would expect after a death. Surely, here is another depiction of a resurrection. But the joy and the excitement build as he also declares hope for us and for our souls, even after we die as well. We will not be left in shield, but we will be brought into his presence forever. Just look at this next verse. Psalm 16, verse 12. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. Forevermore. What is the path of life that God will show us? Jesus. For it was Jesus who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Because of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, he makes a way for all who turn to him and acknowledge their own sins and accept the fat sacrifice that he has made on our behalf. Upon his resurrection, He now opens the path of life for us. We need to choose to take it. Not everyone does. But He's showed us the path of life if we see it. When we follow the path which has been clearly stated and repeatedly prophesied and given to us, we will enter His presence, as it says, forevermore. 
But the prophets continue to speak about the resurrection. The prophet Hosea also confirms the hope that was revived at the empty tomb. Hosea 6, verse 2. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live in his sight. Not only would Jesus be raised on the third day, but we were raised up with him. He carried our sins on his back, but he carried us in his heart. So when he died and went to the grave, our sins died with him, and the sins are still in the grave, the consequences of our sins. But when he rose up into a new life, all those who put their trust and faith in Jesus are rise up with him into a new life. That's what we celebrate today as Resurrection Sunday. Can you hear him now? Even Jesus himself was very clear, not just about the resurrection, but the details involved with it. When the people asked him for a sign he, that he was the Messiah and that he would fulfill all the prophecies about him, he shared this. Matthew 12, verse 40. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. See, Jonah is another prophetic type of Christ. For on the third day, his redemption occurred. Jesus points to that third day again and again. They should have all, all the disciples, all the followers who had been with him and living with him and walked with him, they should have all woke up on the third day with faith-infused hopes, knowing that their Messiah was alive. But maybe these prophecies and parables and signs were just too mysterious to understand. Maybe they didn't know what he was talking about with this figurative language. Well, that's why Jesus stated it as plainly as he possibly could, just days before all these events unfolded. He told them exactly what would happen to accomplish God's long foretold will. It couldn't be clearer than this. Matthew 20, verse 17. Now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples on the aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Verse 19, and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. And the third day he will rise again. He could not have been clearer. There it was in black and white, no parables, no analogies, no figurative language. Jesus would be crucified and die. And on the third day he would rise again. Can you hear him now? You would think that they all would have been able to hear him. But that wasn't the case. John 20, verse 10. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. She was still weeping as she looked into the tomb. When suddenly God got her attention in a most miraculous way. Verse 12. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head 
and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Are you kidding me? The prophecy, the words of Jesus, the third day, the empty tomb, and now two heavenly angels clothed in white, and she still doesn't get it. How could that be? Verse 14. Now when she had said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus himself standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. How could she not have known? It's because it takes more than a logical conclusion by a human mind to receive the revelation of the resurrected Christ in our lives. It takes a personal experience with Jesus for each and every one of us. We can't just hear a message and agree. We can't just hear an explanation and, and come to a realization. We have to personally seek out to seek Jesus on our own. We have to be personally willing to speak to Jesus and have Jesus, expect Jesus to talk back to us. It's not my words or my charisma that's going to get you to understand. It's you understanding that the Word of God is alive and He's speaking directly to each and every one of you who came here expecting to, be, to hear from Jesus. John 20, verse 15. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, with Jesus standing right in front of her, thought he was the gardener. She said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have yet to ascend to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Can you hear him now? Now Mary knows her resurrected Savior personally. It took a personal encounter to enact this transaction. What will it take for you to fully and 100% acknowledge your resurrected Savior? I know. You're probably saying, I already know. That's why I'm here. But has the news of His resurrection completely revolutionized your life so that you can't stop talking about Him wherever you go and wherever you are? Or has He become compartmentalized in your busy life? Do you still believe that He has the power to bring healing to your life, to overcome temptation, to forgive you of all your sins, to break strongholds in your mind, to help you forgive others completely? Do you still believe that He is the one and only hope for the problems we face today? Do you still believe that He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, that He is ever faithful and true, even when we are not? Do you believe that He is the light and the darkness, and that He has chosen you to be an integral part of His family of God, in spite of your weakness, in spite of your failures, in spite of your sins? if you would simply turn to Him and completely trust Him. 
Are you continuing to share the good news with others and inviting others to share in this good news and join you in this journey? Some of you really need to hear him speaking to you. Listen. Jeremiah 31.3 The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. He is drawing you ever closer than before. Can you hear him now? Isaiah 41.10 Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Whatever you are going through, all of you, listen to him. This is your personal experience. Isaiah 43.1 Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, you sh- they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Today, because He is risen, because He went through death, hell, and the grave to be here for us, Today, He speaks directly to your pain, to your fears, to your wounds, and to your needs. He has triumphed over death and now stands victoriously in your presence, victoriously in your presence, with this personal invitation. Matthew 11, 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Can you hear him now? Could you bow your heads, please? I'm going to ask you if you have received Jesus or if you've never received Jesus before, if you feel drawn to him this day, repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, we are drawn into your presence. We acknowledge that we have sinned. We acknowledge that we have sinned. Every one of us. Every one of us. And we need Jesus. We need Jesus. We thank you that you sent him. We thank you that you sent him. To die for us. To die for us. To pay our sacrifice. To pay our sacrifice. And we believe that you raised him from the dead. We believe that you raised him from the dead. To give us a new life. To give us a new life. We receive that life now. We receive that life now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, the Bible says that behold, all things are new no matter what we've done. If we've said that prayer and believed it in our heart, then Jesus gives us a brand new life. But we need to continue to press in. We need to surround ourselves with people who are going to encourage us and believe for us and believe with us. There's no greater gift given on a Resurrection Sunday than to be closer to Jesus and to receive Him into our hearts. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. He is risen indeed. Amen. That's why we go forth knowing the power that death could not keep Him in the ground. Death has no hold over you if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. No matter what this world sentences against you, 
Death cannot keep you in the ground. We all rise again because of the wonderful gift at the empty tomb on this resurrection day. Amen?